genre. Franchiseography, the podcast that digs deep into the entire filmographies of Hollywood's biggest film franchises. I'm Nick Jimenez. I'm Scott Corelli. Today, today, we conclude our journey through the filmography of Judd Apatow with his wacky slapstick comedy about the global COVID-19 pandemic. It's 2022's The Bubble. Les Boublés. Le Bouble, as it's called in France. <laughs> and we have no guest joining us to talk about green screens, quarantines, and delusional rich people is no one. Mm-hmm. And thank we, God for that. Thank God. We would lose that friend forever. <laughs> um, yeah, please. I just want to I want to get this out of the way. Mm. On a... On a minute-to-minute scale, yeah, this movie wasn't so bad. Oh, really? But, okay, cool. Yeah, cool. But t- but taken as a whole, I look back at it and like there's a there's a there's a very specific line at the very very end of this movie mm-hmm. where Fred Armisen is just like. Ah, you know, we just we made a movie to get make people take their mind off of uh, all the shit, and uh, you know, uh, people will have fun. Like, who cares if it's if it's a bad movie, whatever. And I was like, I guess that's the point that he's trying to make. But I really just wish the movie was about something, anything. Like, I wish any character changed. I wish anything happened in this movie that had any ramifications on anything. Other than Leslie Mann losing her hand. Um, yeah. Know? Yeah, for sure. I mean, like, you know, just the uh, listeners, I, I assume I assume none of you watched this. Uh, Jeff, I hope you didn't watch this one. Um, <laughs> but, you know, if you if you didn't. Yeah. Uh, uh, Leslie Mann gets her hand shot off yeah. by a sniper rifle. Yeah. And what is, I think, inarguably, the single most violent thing to happen in any Judd Apatow-directed movie. For sure. Yeah. Um, I said directed because I was like, oh, Pineapple Express, but a bunch of people, bunch of people get shot in that. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, well, cool. I'm glad, I'm glad you didn't find this irredeemable because my first thought was like, wow, I feel like I owe Scott and Bethany an apology for like making yeah. them No, Be- Bethany, Bethany liked this more than Trainwreck and This is 40. That's great. That's awesome. Um, I I I mean my my thing is it was just so. I mean it was just there was nothing below the surface, you know. Like it yeah, was very, just hollow, very hollow, extremely hollow. And I will say, I will say, from a minute to minute standpoint, you know, like I'm watching this minute or this minute or that minute, and I'm yeah. like, okay, fine. Like I'm not having a terrible time, but. When you add all those minutes up, holy shit, this movie's so long. 
so long. It feels like three and a half hours. It feels, I just recently rewatched Titanic. This feels longer than Titanic by like a country mile. Yeah. Yeah. No, for sure. This felt like his longest movie, like fun, longer than funny people, longer than this is 40. And yeah. I think that had to do with, again, you know, nothing going on under the surface. Um, right. No momentum. You hit the nail on the head of like, because I, I I wrote this down in my notebook. When there's no, um, what did I say? When no one's acting like a person. Yeah. When no <laughs> one acts like a human, there's like no comedic stakes. Right. So like when Leslie Mann got her hand shot off and was like a bloody stump, it took me a couple seconds to register that was really happening. Yes. Same. Like to her characters, like, her real person, you know? Yeah. You know, it's so funny. We were just talking about in the, in the, in the King of Staten Island episode. He's like, wow, he just made his ultimate, ultimate, yeah. like brutally honest, real life movie. And then he followed that up with just like, what the fuck is this? What is he, <laughs> yeah. what, what, why did he have interest in doing this? <laughs> So, yeah, so I, I, I did my best listeners to, you know, there were, there is no physical release of the bubble, so there are none of the, the plethora of Blu-ray features that I've, I've been spoiled with this past series. Um, there were no production diaries, no commentaries, no, no anything, just the, um, you know, the press junkety interviews that I could find when this came out in 2022. Which which is crazy. It feels like it feels like a 2021 movie. Like it, mm-hmm. it, like when all of those pandemic movies were hitting in 2021. Like yeah. all of like the, you know, like the Zoom episodes of TV shows and like all of that stuff. Right. That's that's what this feels like. It belongs in that era. So it was already like a year too late. Right. We're like, yeah, we're like the lady from Mythic Quest was just like sobbing on a Zoom call and you were like, okay, I I guess this is what we're doing for a while. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Pat, pat, pat. (laughs) Um, But yeah, I mean, like this felt dated when it came out. And I assume I didn't watch. This is my first time watching this. But yeah, like this felt like another planet. Um, It's cool that we're talking about it, though, because, you know, for a long for the majority of the the pandemic, you and Bethany were my bubble. Mm -hmm. That's true. So did 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 a a schmigadoon did did a smidge of this register with you at all of like, wow, it'd be like that sometimes back in 2020. Um, No, because Mm -hmm. I wasn't working. Oh, that's a good point. So, so like it it just, yeah, like I had no reason to leave, you know, like there was no scene in this where they went to the grocery store. You know what I mean? Like, that's the only thing I did for like a year was go to the grocery store. (laughs) Yeah. No, you're right, Scott. Like they, you know, okay. So like what I was able to find in interviews. um, So I guess like just to get the the business out of the way. um, Oh, so another thing, another reason I think this feels very long is by design. This is a two location movie. Yes. They go back and forth from the hotel to the green screen like studio. Studio. Yeah. Yeah. For Which two they hours. do not do a good job of establishing. Like no, they don't need- I, like for like a solid 90 minutes until yeah. they until they escape the studio. 
right? And you mm-hmm. actually see that they're on a studio lot. Yeah. I assumed that the studio was somehow in the hotel because right. we yeah. never see them travel from one location to the other. They're just in one place interior and then the other place interior. And we see the exterior of the hotel, but never the exterior of the studio, like I said, until 90 minutes later. Yeah, and I, I kept thinking about like the the thought I had, like, oh, if this were a real Judd Apatow movie, like, what would this have included, you know? Yeah. And like, I think a comp more competently made movie would have had like, okay, you know, ten minutes in the first time they go to work, we need a little montage of them all leaving the hotel, getting swabbed, getting on their little golf carts, and driving into the studio space with yeah. like a Loudon Wainwright song playing. I don't know, but like something, yeah. Th- and like this doesn't have that, and so no. it feels rudderless even for a Judd Apatow movie. This feels like Judd Apatow wrote a first draft and then was like, "Ah, fuck it, we're in a pandemic. Let's just shoot this." Yeah, yeah, and that's <laughs> kind of like unfortunately the attitude I got from a lot of the interviews that I read. Um, so the movie was written. And so start with uh, Apatow and Pam Brady is his co-writer on this. Yeah. Comedy veteran, South Park writer, right. Team America writer. Right, right, right. So they started writing this in October of 2020, and they were shooting by February of 2021. I, I, I don't want to put all the blame on her in terms mm-hmm. of what happened to the story of this sure. and the characters. However... This absolutely feels like a diet Trey Parker and Matt Stone joint. For sure. Like much, much more so, much less so than a, than a, than a Judd Apatow movie, you know? Right. Cause, cause you think of, cause I think the closest apatow movies you could compare this to is something like Walk Hard. Mm-hmm. Or, you know, he, he produced Talladega Nights. He produced Anchorman, you know? Yeah. Yeah. Um, <laughs> but those have that. Here's here's the thing, though. Like yeah. Talladega Nights, a movie that I do not like. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, I need to revisit probably because I think the reason I don't like it is because I was raised in the Midwest and surrounded by NASCAR fans. I was um, gonna say, yeah, you have yeah. personal beef with that movie. <laughs> yeah, yeah, with that whole like uh, aesthetic vibe, I aesthetic guess. culture. Um, uh, but even even if it is making fun of it, um, but mm-hmm. the the thing with those movies with like Anchorman. And Talladega Nights and uh, any of those, not not necessarily Walk Hard. Walk Hard's using uh, uh, is like a parody of a biopic. It's a parody right. versus like you know what Anchorman and and which is like Screw, ca- character. It's like Screwball. let's put this character into a thing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, the those what those movies do is they tell a very simple story. Step Brothers, another really good example. Right. Yeah. 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 Very simple story. It's like they come in and they're like, okay, act one is this, act two is this, act three is this. As long as we have those three pillars, we can put whatever we want on top of it. Right. And, and that's how those movies are structured. So they are, the story of them is impeccably structured. Now, this whole season, I've been breaking down the five act structure of his movies. Guess what mm-hmm. this movie doesn't have? <laughs> A five act structure. It has no structure. It has nothing. Yes. <laughs> right. Like what what is the like what would you call act three of this? Is it when I, is it when 
Pedro Pascal over almost overdoses and Karen Gillan's like we're a family now. I I don't know. Or, or is it when they try to escape the studio when they when they like, escape the studio and then like the third act is like ten minutes. But right, yeah. Anyway, it it's just it's like a, you can't slice it anyway. Because the the problem is that it keeps ramping up into what you think is going to be a third act. And then undercuts and everything goes back to status quo again. And I think that's another reason why it feels so fucking long. Yeah. Is because right. your brain keeps telling you, oh, we're, we're getting to the end of the movie. And then, oh, no, we're not. There's another hour and 15 minutes. Yeah. Like, Leslie Mann gets her hand shot off and mm-hmm. leaves the movie for the rest of the movie, which, like, big... I mean, she wasn't... She, it was a thankless role, but, like, I still missed yeah. her when she was gone. That bummed me out. Sure. But then it just kind of settles where they're like, okay, she's out of the movie now. We're going to have a bad joke about like replacing her with like a green screen, a guy in a green screen suit. Yeah. Um, and yeah, like, right. Yeah. Like, like the part where they, 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 they revive Pedro Pascal and you're like, oh, okay. Are they like going to bantic? But then it was just, oh, after that, it was the part where they were flame throwing all the cliff beasts. Right. Which I cannot believe the money they spent on the cliff beasts that somehow kind of look pretty great actually yeah <laughs> uh shout out to uh ilm's uh roger guyett who did a lot of consulting work and like you know on 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 making the effects look good and and you're right the cliff beasts do not look horrible they look solid they look like yeah. if they were in like a sci-fi movie like a sci-fi channel movie if those still existed it would be like oh shit you know yeah, no, you would be like, oh, shit, that's the best TV special effects I've seen in one of these ever. <laughs> right. Yeah. yeah, like, it's it's not Sharknado. No, um, not at all. Not at all, which is what I was expecting. Mm-hmm. Um, I wasn't expecting the, the, yeah, the dinosaurs to have so much, like, texture to them. Yeah. Texture in life. Yeah. Um, I, I think, oh, what did, what did you think of the TikTok dance? I mean... <sighs> So listeners, uh, there, there's a scene where in the in the reality of the movie, Iris Apatow is playing a TikTok star. And so she befriends like a cute little baby dinosaur that's supposed to be, I guess, like a parody of like Blue or or yeah. the, the little cat thing in Guardians 3. You know, like, oh, this is yeah. to sell toys. And then they like do a TikTok dance with the dinosaur. Right. Because they hide because she's a TikTok star. And so they brought her on to do her TikTok thing. Mm-hmm. I guess. Yeah. I mean, the thing that is funny is that, like, that's totally something that a studio would want now. I mean, like, we've seen, like, <laughs> right. with Wednesday and, and Megan, you know? Right. Yeah. Dances like, are in. Little viral yeah, they're, dances they're, they're are like, in. forcing dance, like, weird, quirky dances into stuff um, to, to trend on TikTok. Yeah. I mean, it was bad, but, I mean, it wasn't supposed to be good, you know? Sure. Like, it was, yeah, for it sure. It was supposed to be cringe. Um <laughs> there were a lot of uh so okay I, I was able to kind of count on like one hand like I, I wrote down on my notes like anytime something happened that gave me a little bit of happiness I wrote it down um I liked uh Leslie Mann doing uh roller skate dances that was cool that was cool I did like that yeah she's a good dancer yeah she is um I was good dancer that also true um I uh I uh 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 yeah, okay. So so the whole the whole Cliff Beast thing, which yeah. first of all I the fuck 
Yeah. I cliff beasts. I don't. I don't. Okay. Uh, please. Yeah. I. 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 I have, I have something to say about cliff beasts, but please. Yeah, but I. There was. There were a few shots across the the uh, shots across the bat brow uh, yeah. of uh, the bow. Yeah. Yeah, across the bow of uh, of uh, Fallen Kingdom, because there, there's that moment where where he's like uh, where he's where um, David David Duchovny yeah. is like he's like I'm I'm rewriting the script. It's going to be about how uh, like about about like uh, environmental messaging, environmental and all that, yeah. messaging, and like yeah, and animal rights and all this stuff. And and Fred Armisen, who plays the director, is just like no one wants. Everybody just wants to see dinosaurs eat people. That's why they're here. They want to see dinosaurs eat people and then blow up. That's why they're yeah. coming to see the movie. Stop yeah. overthinking this. And I'm like, oh, that's that's totally like Apatow having watched Fallen Kingdom. And it's just like, what the fuck am I watching? <laughs> sure, yeah. Uh, there was, I think it was Kate McKinnon or as like the studio chief, or maybe it was Peter Serafinowicz as the producer. But at some point, someone says like, there's fucking five of these things. They're all the same. It doesn't matter. And yeah. That felt like a shot across the bow. Yeah. Um, so Jurassic World Dominion plays a big part in this movie's history. Really? Um, so, uh, you know, the origins of this movie are, you know, like uh, Judd Apatow and Leslie Mann, the Apatows were hunkered down like a lot of us were in very varying degrees. Um, like, you know, Scott, you mentioned like, yeah, we were we were going to the grocery store. We weren't like. I don't, you know, like the, that that Anne Hathaway Chiwetel Ejiofor movie where it was just like rich people drinking wine for like six days straight, right? Um, which I never and saw. The, and the and the deal with that, I mean, the reason that they, it's all like that is because they couldn't go anywhere. So when they shot these COVID movies, they had no choice but to show us where they live, right? Yep. So you're like, oh, I guess this is what Anne Hathaway's. One of Anne Hathaway's apartments looks like, I assume. <laughs> yeah. Um, so the, you know, the uh, Ap- what, what was the Zendaya? Uh, the Zendaya. Oh one? yeah, Malcolm and Marie. Yeah, Malcolm and Marie. That's another one that you're just. We like, watched well. that together. <laughs> yeah. It's like really? well, rich is, rich people gonna rich, I guess. This is Zendaya's house. You know, yeah. rich people are gonna rich, and that's kind of <laughs> what I took away from this movie. Um, <laughs> so. So, yeah, the Apatows were hunkered down, but they were hearing all these stories and FaceTiming their friends, their famous friends, who were working on movies like Jurassic World Fallen or Jurassic World Dominion, Mission Impossible, White Lotus. And they were hearing all of these stories about, like, the difficulties and trials and weirdness of of shooting in a in a covid set, shooting in a in a, in a bubble. Yeah, Um this kind of pissed me off in retrospect. I read a I I read an interview a few days ago where the person was like the journalist was like so like are any of the crazy you know train wrecky kind of no pun intended kind of stuff that happened did you was that juice was that tea from Jurassic World and Apatow mm. was like no no everything I heard about Jurassic World was that it was all you know the crews worked hard and got shit done and they you know they came together like a team and and. But you know that that doesn't work for a comedy. So instead, I just made up a bunch of hacky, dumb bullshit. Ugh. And so, like, this feels like a very toothless satire, right? A satire based on nothing. Yeah. Um, I also think this is. I mean, I don't think. I know. I there's no way you don't agree with me on this. Uh, <laughs> this is the fucking weirdest. 
cast in a Judd Apatow movie. I mean, this is fucking why? Why? Why are so many of them British? Why are there so <laughs> many British people in this movie? Uh, well, they did shoot this in London. They did shoot okay. this in England. So okay. I guess maybe like limited. But yeah, like uh, the dude from Our Flag Means Death right. is in here. Right. Um, the guy, the guy who wants to be friends with all the famous people. Yeah. Who the fuck is that? He <laughs> is ironically. He is a TikTok star. Oh, OK. So had, uh, the yeah. only the only joke in this movie I mean, maybe not. I don't know. I'm not going to rewatch it to find out. But sure. the one that stuck out to me as like the only joke that feels like a Judd Apatow joke, like the style of joke that Judd Apatow likes that I've seen in his other movies mm-hmm. is the bit where um, that guy is describing to everybody what they need to look out for to stop actors from hooking up. And he was like, if they start making eyes at each other, and that sort of looks like this. And then he just right. sort of like starts doing this thing where he's like pretending to make eyes at people for an extended period of time. And I'm like, that feels like a Judd Apatow joke. That seems like something that he would really enjoy. Mm-hmm. Everything else in this is like, it feels like the farthest thing from anything that, that it's so broad. Yeah. That like, just feels so far away from what he's been doing up to this point. And I hope this isn't like the start of something. I hope right. this is just like <laughs> him getting something out of his system. I don't know. Yeah. Okay. So so that guy's name was Harry Trevaldwin, the okay. TikTok guy. And the guy from uh, uh, Our Flag Means Death, Bola in the movie, is Samson Ko. Um, mm. They come out of this relatively unhumiliated. Relatively, um, uh, I'm gonna, I'm gonna. I think this movie does have an MVP, and I'm gonna give him some love later on. But okay, you're you're right. This feels like. I mean, first off, yeah, names out of a fucking hat. Like, <laughs> yeah. I, da- like David Duchovny. I I feel like David Duchovny might single handedly bring this entire movie to its knees. <laughs> he's, he's he's just so yeah. unfunny. Like he is not funny. He's not. Like, he's good in, like, dramas where he, like, can be a a funny character in a drama, but Mm -hmm. he can't hold his own with a bunch of comedians. Like, yeah. Did you you notice the scene where uh, he was doing an improv, like, riff off with Leslie Mann, but they were going at, like, half speed? Yes. Yes. Where he was, like, they're talking about, I'm sorry I uh, hooked up with your manager. And Leslie Mann was like, you know, it was like, it was, the, and like the way I delivered it, it was kind of like that. Yeah. Yeah. Where it was like, oh shit, I have to come up with, with stuff. Yeah. Ugh. So he was in this because uh, apparently he had a really funny guest spot in the Larry Sanders show back in the day. Sure. And Apatow was like, oh, I always liked him in, in Larry Sanders show. Did she, did he watch any of his other comedy movies? Because that yeah. might've given him pause. Did he watch evolution? <laughs> yeah. Right. Uh, was everyone a surprise? Did to he you? watch that fucking Showtime show that he did? Right, Californication, um, where he yeah, Californication. Jesus Christ. <laughs> uh, um, big. I mean, there were a lot of bigs. There were a lot of surprises. I, I had forgotten Pedro Pascal was in this. Yeah. Um, why was he Italian in the Cliff Beast movie? I don't know. I, I I feel like I feel like like. 
you know how you know like in comedy you know or or even like in a lot of things best idea wins i feel like in in the case of this movie i feel like judd apatow's rule on set was first idea wins (laughs) right Um, yeah whoever because whoever has the first thing that's in the movie yeah, because he's just like, yeah, whatever, fuck it. Like, we want to hey, be done. Yeah. We want to wrap this up. Like, I talk like this in the movie. I do funny voices. <laughs> fuck it. Cool. We got eight weeks to shoot this. <laughs> yeah. Uh, I think the thing, so, you know, you mentioned how this feels hollow. This isn't about yeah. anything. And right. unfortunately, I feel like, at least in the interview, and this could just be Pablum, but there was an attempt or... He makes like passing references to like, so like, you know, like a lot of us when we were hunkered down in 2020 and 2021, Apatow found himself asking all these questions of like, oh, what do I do? Who am I? How do I keep working? Or like, you know, and so he was like, oh, this is funny. This could be good fodder. Like, we're all going through this thing together. So it's going to be universal. I'll make a movie about all these like rich people dealing with the same stuff that we're all dealing with. But like he picked the one like sliver of an experience. That's like actually like only a thousand people experience this. Yes. Like, cause yeah, no, no one in this movie is like, you know, going to the grocery store or like having to like, yeah, it it just feels very like rich people problems. The movie. And, and it's, and I think that's a side effect of both like, trying to follow the 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 covid rules of production to a t which mm-hmm. is like uh, in the simplest way possible right yeah. um of like we're going to have a bubble and we're going to make a show about a or a movie about a bubble and we're only going to go between like a couple of sets and that's it because the reality to me is that like what you want is to like, I think what like what you would want, right? Is all of them, all of the actors, like you show like all the Cliff Beast movies, but you make them like older. So you make the like the last one came out like maybe like ten years ago, fifteen years ago, something sure. like that, and then you have you show all of the like the cast all dealing with COVID separately, right mm, in their homes, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And being bored out of their goddamn minds, right? And you even end, like, after the montage of, like, the first five Cliff Beast movies, they're like, and that's the end of Cliff Beast. We're never going to do another one. And you show them, like, being interviewed and keep saying the same thing. We're never going to make another one. We're never going to make another one. And then, like, after everyone's so bored of COVID, they're finally coaxed to come back and do one. But now it's under these, like, stupid circumstances. Yeah, yeah, like, you know, like, again, in, in a real Judd Apatow movie, or, like, a, yeah. an old Judd Apatow movie, these moments of self-reflection that he's talking about, yeah, like, maybe could happen where these, these the kind of like funny people, where these millionaire celebrity famous people are forced to reckon with, holy shit, none of that matters anymore, I could die, right? Um, my fame or money, it doesn't matter right now, um, right. this thing I thought I was too good for. Now all of a sudden it's looking pretty attractive, so maybe I do want to go back to the well. Like it, that's especially that's, if they yeah, if, especially if they weren't so fucking vapid about it, because they literally yeah. they're all doing it because of the money. That's it. Mm-hmm. That's the only reason they're doing it. But none of them need money, at least as far as we know. We don't fucking know anything about these characters at yeah. all because um, they're not real people. They're like right. They're, like, they're not. They're real not people. even like they're sketch characters. Yeah, 
they keep saying like Fred Armisen and 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 uh, uh, the producer uh, Peter Serafinowicz. They're Pete. they keeps re- yeah they keep repeating the the idea of like hey people just really need to have a good time and we're going to we're going to bring them a good time. People love these movies, you know, like they need an escape. All the we're we're really we're heroes in a way, you know, like that. that yeah. That's how they keep presenting it to the cast. And I kind of wish the cast felt the same. Like I felt like I wish that this was a movie about this cast trying to overcome the trials and tribulations of shooting a movie during covid because they want to bring something that will bring the world some happiness. Yeah. Like I think that's that's something universal that I think. I know I, I was like I, I trying to find meeting in what little I was able to do at the time. Yeah. Where like, you know, I had like you and Bethany. I had my I had we had podcasting. We had Geek by Night. And so we I kind of there was like a little bit of like delusion. There was an aspect of like, OK, this is this is the one thing I can do and I'm going to do it to the best of my and get some meaning out of it because like this is our bubble. This is all we have. And like the movie doesn't even really try to get that reflective about anything. It's just, everything is like, you know, stars are vapid. Movies suck. People are selfish. Everyone's in it for themselves. And it gets so, and it's, it's not even like Tropic Thunder where it has bite to it or like sharpness. It's just so gummy. Yeah. Yeah. There's no one to root for in this. Yeah. And that's okay. So I found this other weird quote where he was like, you know, Apatow was lying on his couch watching Netflix like the rest of us. And he was like, oh, yeah, I started watching. I was watching so much Ted Lasso and Schitt's Creek. And I was like, I want to make one of these. I want to provide one of these. There was only like eight episodes of Ted Lasso at this point. <laughs> that's exactly what I thought. Like, you can't watch a ton of Ted Lasso. Period. <laughs> yeah. At the end of the day, there's going to be 30 episodes total. Like, relax. (laughs) And he picked two of the two sitcoms that are famous for being earnest and heartfelt. Yeah. And he made, like, the most ugly, cynical movie of his whole career. And I think a big part of that is because he had no creative partner. Yeah, like, he had this Mm co-writer, right? But, like, he didn't have a muse, that's true. Yeah, there's no because this whole this movie is just full of like random actors that he likes, I guess, or yeah. that were available that he likes and were available. <laughs> like who, 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 who genuinely, who is what is who is the closest? I guess Karen Gillan is the closest yeah. we get to a protagonist. Yeah, for sure. I but I mean she has no character arc. Um, no. Um, the movie. There's even also that kinda... weird subplot about her like boyfriend. Dating someone else because he's like, like panicking about COVID and like thinks that she abandoned him and okay yeah so there's this okay and th- that that there's nothing nothing makes sense no one so there's a scene where okay so her boyfriend is squatting at her house right because it's locked down she's gone he's squatting at her house and then she he starts but he's been seeing... staying there the whole during all of lockdown yes. Yeah, right. for sure. Yeah, and, but she so goes. He, to he's shoot. only he's only staying there because squatting because she's leaving to go shoot this movie. Yes, <laughs> very true. Like they were living yeah. together, and then she went to go shoot this movie because she needed the money because she wasn't in Cliff Beast Four. She skipped Cliff Beast Four or Five. Yeah, to yeah. make a to make a bad like Oscar bait movie that everyone hated with a UFO in it. 
Right, where she plays like an Israeli half slash... Israeli, half Palestinian person. Right, and she which, of which she is neither, and everyone like you know canceled her because of that, and so she like that's why yeah. she's being suckered into doing this movie. Yeah, and I guess so. A, a thing I, I thought about funny people a lot watching this. Yeah, because funny people felt like such a in the know kind of show, but like you know redo. Merman, those felt like they could be real Adam Sandler movies. Yeah. And that's why they were so funny in Funny People is you were like, ah, oh, he would make a piece of shit like that. That's awesome. Um, <laughs> yeah. But like nothing in this feels like it was made by anyone with any kind of like firsthand knowledge of how movies are no. made. No, I was thinking a lot about how much... <laughs> I, I mean, this is a this is a means thing to say because mm. we're literally doing his miniseries. But the he, I was just thinking about how much better of a filmmaker Seth Rogen is than yeah. Judd Apatow because Seth Rogen never would have made Cliff Beasts. Number one, he never would have made it Cliff Beasts. And number two, they wouldn't be so fucking shitty because he understands what a good blockbuster looks like. And I, I genuinely believe that Judd Apatow a has no fucking clue. He just thinks they all look, look and sound and feel the same. Like, Mm -hmm. I feel like cliff beasts is in his mind, what they all look like when he goes and sees like Avengers Endgame, It looks like cliff beasts to him. Yeah. Because he just doesn't give a fuck about any of it. And so he's just like, this is so stupid. Why do these fucking idiots like this? Yeah, just a bunch of celebrities and a green screen with like stuff happening and it's all bullshit. And it's like, yeah, yeah. that could that's it's, Jurassic World Dominion. That's also Guardians of the Galaxy Volume 3. It's it's the Spaceballs problem. Oh yeah, it is the Spaceballs problem. He doesn't it's love the it. It's a reason it's a reason I fucking hate Spaceballs is because there's no jokes about Star Wars in it. It's just like all this stuff is stupid, right? Everybody agrees. And it's like, no, man, I don't think we do. <laughs> this is Pizza the Hut? That's like, what the fuck? <laughs> that's great. Well, like, <laughs> what the fuck? That's such a fucking hacky joke. What oh. happened, man? You, you made Young Frankenstein. <laughs> I hope he's still alive when we record this or when this comes out. <laughs> uh, no, yeah, no, it, it doesn't feel and like because um, I know he doesn't have like a ton to do with the show, or I don't know that, but the boys from the outside, the boy, everyone like comic book fans love the boys because all of the satire feels like, sh- like oh, this is saying I get what they're making fun of right now, yeah, like oh, it is kind of vapid. The superhero complex, oh, they are kind of fascists, aren't they? Blah blah blah. Like Seth Rogen's making a show about a studio. Have you heard about that? No. He's making like a comedy, like I think it's going to be on Prime, and it's about how impossible it is to run a film studio in modern times. Mm, okay. Exactly. Yeah. And I'm kind of like, oh, cool. Because like, yeah, there's like a bullshit tat where he would be like, Cliff Beast would be like the bad version and be like, no, we're not. No, like we need a better version of this. This looks, no one would believe this is like a beloved film franchise. No, no. No, Cliff Beast, I don't even believe that it's like an ironic thing. It would be like, like, I don't even believe it as like an episode of Mystery Science Theater 3000, you know? Yeah. Or like to go back to Tropic Thunder, like, yeah, uh, you know, Ben Stiller's film franchise felt more real than this. Um, Mm -hmm. Satan's Alley 
the Robert Downey Jr. Brokeback Mountain, like Oscar bait movie. Like, right. There was immediately a shorthand of like, oh, I get what they're doing. This is funny. Yeah. And this just like has such contempt for yeah. us and movies yeah. that it's. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it was hard to it was hard to get into it, it for a movie that the thesis of which claims to be we just want everybody to have a good time. I'm like, then why are you so fucking angry? Yeah. Like why? Like where's like, yeah, there there's no like, why do you hate every character in this movie? Yeah. Also, also not for nothing, but like Pedro Pascal and, and at least Pedro Pascal and, and Karen Gillan and Peter Serafinowicz, like right. all three of them have played superheroes are They've like been... in superhero stuff. Well, you know? I just realized there's four Guardians. There's like three Guardians alumni in this. You got yeah. Karen Gillan, Peter Peter Serafinowicz from Guardians One. Right. Oh, right, uh, that's right. Uh, Maria Bakalova, Cosmo. Oh yes, right. I kept we kept uh, I kept calling her Cosmo while we were watching it. She's really good in this. <laughs> She's um, great. She 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 definitely comes out unscathed, like even more so than those other two guys. I think. They're mm-hmm. relatively unscathed. I think she's completely untouched. I think she's really good in this, uh, actually. <laughs> the one big, good, like, hearty laugh I got out of this movie was James McAvoy's cameo. Yeah. James McAvoy's cameo is really good. Um, why, are you, why are you running? <laughs> you're, why are you running? running? What? I, uh, but the best <laughs> joke, that's true. The best joke in the movie is him being like, I don't think you can run during the pandemic. Pandemic. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> That was like, good. Like, like it's a like it's a sign posting outside a pool, <laughs> and that kind of almost that touches in a in a probably an improvised line that kind of touches what this movie should be going for, which is like it sometimes felt like nobody had any idea what the rules were. Yeah, but if we weren't following them, we were evil and bad, right? And we were all just like, "Oh wait, can we not wipe down food? I thought we, I thought we weren't supposed to." Oh wait, you wait, you can drink. Why can you drink but not wear a mask? That doesn't make any. But oh, I'm, I'm not saying, I'm not saying, don't wear. You know what I mean? But like, yeah, it's more interested in this weird. Like, this didn't even have to take place during the pandemic. Weirdly, right, right. This was very much, you know, compared to, um, like Glass Onion, right, right, which yeah. Which also featured a lot of vapid people who were all like not taking COVID particularly seriously, right? Mm-hmm. Um, with with uh, with the mesh, the, <laughs> the mesh, the mesh mask, mask yeah. and shit. Yeah, so like that was definitely a thing in that, right? But it was it was playing with those those archetypes a little differently in a way that like. Didn't feel mean, but was also just sort of like, this was a weird time in American history, wasn't it? You know? Yeah. Wow. Now, I can't stop thinking about Glass Onion, Scott. You're right. Because, like, Birdie, the character Birdie, like, yeah. Kate Hudson, the first time we see her, she's having this big, <laughs> lavish yep. party. And she's like, no, yeah. it's okay. This is my bubble. And, yeah. you know, you're watching this movie and you're like, oh, this person's an idiot. But her performance and Johnson's directing and the writing, you can tell that he doesn't hate Birdie. Right. It's just like, God, rich people, right? Jeez. Yeah. That's, and that, and that's the thing. I will say that one of the better ongoing jokes is every time Kate McKinnon shows up in a zoom, she's like somewhere else. She's like in a some, different place. When, when she yeah. was on a safari hunt, I was like, Jesus yeah. Christ. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. That kind of was touching like the kind of good South park 
flavor. Yeah, that was yeah, because that was like good, like rich people satire. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, I didn't oh, I like... like the joke. I did not like the joke about how, and it's so stupid because it's the same thing that's in Glass Onion. But I didn't like that she was like, uh, she was like, well, I got, I, I got a shot, so that's okay. And he's like, wait, there's a shot, there's a vaccine, and she's like, oh, well, not for you, but like, but like for people like me, for for I got, I got the rich people shot or whatever. I was like, uh, I was right, like, that's because... not. I, I didn't love that. But then in Glass Onion, they kind of do the same thing, but right. like Well, in Glass it works Onion, better. it's in Glass Onion, it's like a it's so sleek and subtle and smart where like it's unspoken of like, "Oh, they all just got the vaccine." That's funny. Yeah. Cuz they're all rich and it's like 2020. Right. But in this Kate McKinnon literally says, "Oh no, I'm rich, so I got it. It doesn't poor people don't get it." She just right. says the joke. Right. And it's just very blunt. Right. Like, a lot of uh, this movie is like that. Yeah, like the the joke early on of Karen Gillan being in quarantine for fourteen days was just the like the hackiest like quarantine joke. Every hacky quarantine joke just shotgunned at you in a minute. Right. Yeah. Be in in it's it's incredibly frustrating because it's also like I don't think they literally stay in their hotel for fourteen days, like no, their I hotel so room. Either. Like, I, I think they can put on a mask and, like, walk outside and, like, you know, yeah. like, walk. The whole point of the quarantine is just to make sure that you don't have COVID currently. Yeah. And, like, yeah. Like, so, like, creating this, again, kind of like the movie, creating this fake false system and then yeah. making fun of that system that you made up. Right. It's just, it's not as funny as, like, actually digging in and, like. Doing what you've been doing your whole career, which is like finding humor in like what was really happening. It just felt like he was doing this as a favor to his friends instead of making something he was remotely passionate about. Yeah, yeah. And like that's kind of the vibe I got from a lot of his interviews, which is like, well, you got to make something like. Do you, man? You you went off the you went off the grid for five years. Yeah, what you couldn't what was you couldn't just hang out, you couldn't just like I don't know, write a book or something. <laughs> You've done that a couple times. Done a couple you times. Do another right? one. Yeah. Uh, I, oh, so okay, so there is this uh uh I don't know, title card or script post uh, t- uh, uh at the beginning. I don't know what you call that. You know, like Top Gun where it's like there's an elite place. Oh, sure, sure, sure. Yeah. Pre-script and I wrote it or something. I don't know. Yeah. Um I wrote it down. Because it offended me. Uh, oh, yeah. I was like, <laughs> during the pandemic, there was a painful shortage of content and movies to watch. So people needed there to be something. And I was like, that's the 10 seconds into the movie. I'm like, there was if there was, there was a lot of things. There was not a painful shortage of stuff to watch. No, no, not at all. There was like, there's so much there's so much stuff to you could literally Hollywood could shut. That's why I'm not bothered by the strike. I was going to say, yeah, Hollywood, which hopefully is over by the time you guys are hearing this. But like <laughs> Hollywood could shut down for two years straight, not produce anything. And I would not even be remotely bothered because there's so many things that I could finally catch up on and watch without being inundated by new shit yeah i could finally watch the good wife i could finally watch the good fight yeah like i could watch all of star and so like immediately i was like this feels my bullshit meter went off immediately yeah yeah um so 
Oh, uh, I, 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 I liked. The, I do please. wonder. Do you think that that is Judd Apatow not taking? Is it is it one or two things? Is it him not taking any value in old stuff? Like, does he only value new things? Which is why he references like new pop culture references so often in his movies because wow. he's like, this is the most important thing right now. It's like this thing that everyone's talking about right now. Harry um, Potter, Spider Man, right? Uh, Harry Potter, Spider Man, Lost. Lost, Game of Thrones. You know, like wow. Yeah, you're right. Yeah. That- yeah, wow, I never thought about that. Like, he doesn't and he really... does it again. I think he does it again in this movie, right? Isn't Karen Gillan watching something like newish? Oh, Atomic Blonde. She's watching, yeah, she's watching Atomic yeah. Blonde while like binge eating. Yeah, and... which I don't really understand that either. An actress would never do that. Um, yeah. Uh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, I was like waiting for her. To, I was I, this movie so hacky. I was literally waiting for her to like like vomit, throw up. Yeah, make like a yeah after effect. after after binging all this junk food. Um, uh, uh, but so is it that? Is it that that he just values new things more than old things, mm-hmm. or is it like build creating a a, a, a satirical world? where people only care about new things and that's what it's referencing in which case i mean i don't think in any in one case at least there's like an honesty to it or like some sure. sort of honesty because it's coming from him in the sat- satirical way it just doesn't work at all like i just i think it it just it it fails on every conceivable level right but is that what they're trying to go for i think it, i think it's sort of a stand up comic sort of like have you seen this have you heard about this of it all yeah like yeah. Oh, Spider-Man 3 is coming out. We're going to mention Spider-Man 3. Or right. like Law, people are watching Lost, we're going to talk about Lost. And I yeah, maybe he did this. But that's so weird because like every movie, every reference we just brought up, like Maud Apatow watching Lost, uh right. Jonah Hill just getting back from watching Harry Potter and the Half-Blood Prince. Right. All those moments are really small, but they feel honest. Like yes. Oh, that is how we absorb pop culture. That is how we watch stuff. We do go to yeah. movies, but none of there was like none of that in a movie about making a movie. It felt like an alien had written it. Yes, yes, yeah. But like, what I'm meaning is like that opening that opening thing that you're talking about. Yeah, is that like you know he's working with this South Park writer? Is that like a like an ironic, like satirical? Thing. Like he doesn't mean it literally. Like it's not meant to be taken literally. It's I like gotcha. uh, the like pomposity. in a world where there's no content. You know, yeah. like it feels like, like yeah. a very South Park kind of joke, but done in a way that falls flat on its face instead of like presenting it in a way that actually makes sense in the world of the thing that you're presenting. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like, you know, I'm not saying this is like funnier, but like my idea is funnier, but like if they had really put a point on it of like in the global 2020 pandemic, the world had only one thing on its mind. There wasn't enough stuff to watch on. on right. TV. Yeah, exactly. Yes. Yes. Cause then you're like, Oh, okay. This is like, this. I'm not supposed to take this seriously. Okay. You yeah. Know? This is, yeah. this is a lark. And, but yeah, it's, but like, you know, reading the, like he, Apatow's sentiments about the bubble was like weirdly echoing Sarah Frenowitz and Fred Armisen's sentiment of like, no, like they need, I want to make something like Ted Lasso that people can make them feel good when this comes out in 2022. Then you fucking do not understand Ted Lasso or Schitt's Creek, even like 
like like at all. Like you just do not understand it at all. Uh, uh, two shows about people who love each other being nice to each other. Right. Because his, his, like, I I feel mm-hmm. that the bubble aside, yeah. John Apatow is a pretty earnest filmmaker. Oh, it's yeah. just that yeah. the, the thing that he is earnest about is cynicism and, like, reality and truth. You know, yeah, um, that is what he he is very earnest about. And I think that that is presented in all of his stuff. But like, like to make an earnest thing about feelings and love and people caring about each other. I do think he's capable of that. Yeah. I mean, we were just talking about King of Staten Island, how like heartwarming it was that like uh, that Bill Burr like drives Pete Davidson to the ferry and be like, all right, buddy, you know, you got this. Yeah. yeah. Oh, I think th- those guys really care about each other. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, no, think... that's that's really good. And the thing is, he didn't even want that in the fucking movie. He got talked into putting that in the movie. That's right. Yeah. By uh, by Iris Apatow, who yeah, also maybe he um... should have he should have fucking co-written it with his two daughters. Maybe that would have helped. <laughs> Man, I was thinking about that, too, because, like, you know, they're both we're, 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 we're here. We're at the end. And, mm-hmm. and we hadn't seen Iris Apatow in a while. Um since this is 40, I guess. Uh, yeah. Like last week, we got to see adult, like Euphoria era Maud Apatow. Right. And now we have like Iris Apatow. Um, I really, I mean, like short end of the fucking stick. But like, what what did you think of? Oh, well, she's also really good in love. Yeah. Um, right. But she had yeah, a lot to do with great. her character. Yeah, yeah. Right. She had, she She's great. She's great on love. I, I don't even think she was bad in this. I think she's one of the better actors in this. Yeah. Um, because everyone else is, she's the only one that is acting in a Judd Apatow movie. Oh yeah. No, that's, that's a good point. Yeah. Like her character, her and her sort of friend, mm-hmm. <laughs> like all of their scenes together. Um, th- those all felt like Judd Apatow scenes and You're... the rest of the movie does not feel that way. <laughs> Doing something crazy. What? Uh, the friend, the uh, John Cena's daughter. Uh, not in real oh, life. Oh yeah, in it's it's Dennis Hopper's daughter, right? Oh, whoa! You're right. Her last name's Hopper. I didn't. Yeah. Wow, that's crazy. Yeah. Um, but they're they're <laughs> apparently real life like lifelong friends. Like I fucking knew it. I knew okay. that that's what it was because when I looked her up on IMDb, she this is her only credit, nothing uh, okay. else. And I was like, oh, she has to be Iris's buddy. Like that's what this is. Like, like this is like this is like when a rich parent is like, hey, you can bring your friend to Disneyland. Like, let's just, you know, like, that's what this was. You can bring one friend to be in your one movie. One friend the- with you to Disneyland. <laughs> you can play my yeah. They, they get a cool fight scene. Uh-huh. Um, no. So I like I yeah. like Iris. A, I like Iris a lot. Um, they're very different actors i was thinking about this yeah, yeah and what i what i came the conclusion i came to is that mod um uh mod is a monica and iris is a phoebe wow that's, the diff- that's their difference yeah that's good yeah because like yeah mod is like more neurotic like mm-hmm. kind of like oh yeah we're gonna, what are we gonna do and then yeah iris is sort of like not like yeah, like like Phoebe and the I, I was gonna say vapid, but not like in a like I love Phoebe buffet, but you sort of like on another planet, on another wavelength, spacey, yeah, spacey, She's a little spacey, the, yeah, for sure, yeah, yeah, because like 
I'm so I want both of them because like uh, apparently Iris Apatow really fleshed out her character in this. Like, mm. um, that makes sense. Like, in Apatow's own words, he was like, "Yeah, I just would have written her to be like a fucking idiot." Jeez. I <laughs> I just love that he's just fucking telling on himself like, throughout this. <laughs> Consummate honesty. You got to hand it to him. <laughs> I never no wonder I like her more than the other characters. She's actually doing something with it. Um, <laughs> and so I really hope that they both sort of follow in Apatow's and Father Apatow's. Like, I want them both to write in the future. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Wanna see? I, I think, truly, mm-hmm. I think... The best thing I know that we've been we you you've been making a lot of uh, a lot of references to to this is fifty, um, and we've we've learned that this was actually announced last year and we'd completely forgotten about it. <laughs> sure, <yeah>. um, <laughs> but like uh, the the this is fifty thing, I still feel that like it shouldn't be called this is fifty. It should be it should be the same characters, but like in a new situation, different title. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, whatever. And I think that instead of it being about them about you know you can have a side story about them in their 50s but mm-hmm. i think it should be about the two sisters because yeah. i think that there's i'm very interested in judd apatow using his own daughters as his muse which he hasn't done yet they've been in a lot of his stuff but they haven't been the muse yet they haven't been the leads yeah no for sure like in the same giving giving them the amy schumer seth rogan treatment right of like and 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 why not do that in the the this is 50 project right yeah the slot of like hey like what's it like being you right now like Mm -hmm. what's it like being in your 20s in 2020 or being a teenager in 2020 like how weird is that or like what's it like whatever what's friendship like what are you worried about um and i like the idea of leslie mann and paul rudd's characters starting off as side characters becoming main characters and then returning to being side characters it's like a nice yeah i don't know it's a nice structure i guess a trilogy structure i like that because that is kind of i think sort of almost like a metaphor for parenthood where yeah you know you're so selfish you're so self-absorbed but then you have kids and eventually you willingly become a side character in your children's lives right right like I I don't matter anymore. You now matter more than me. Right. I like that. Um, yeah. The only downside I could see to that, and there's something interesting I noticed with like, the, I'm sure I, I don't know what directing your kids are like, or I'm sure directing your like your daughter as like a little baby or like a, a, t- a kid versus like, okay, you're in your, you're in your, like, like the, like the party, the King of Staten Island party where like Maud Apatow's getting blasted with weed smoke in her face. Right, um, is like you know at some point in your twenties, sex and drugs and relationships kind of become like the main thing in your life. Hopefully not. Doesn't have to be drugs, kids. But um, yeah. <laughs> so I'm like, oh, could he get as honest as he would with Amy Schumer or Lena Dunham or Seth Rogen with their like his kids? I I think he could. I think it just depends on what the subject matter is about. Sure. You know. Yeah. It's um, like getting railed, directed by Judd Apatow. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. But uh I don't know. I uh yeah. Okay. Uh any other any other like uh, uh development stuff, background stuff on this? Um no, just you know, just kind of like 
it just seemed kind of they were just making it to make something. Yeah. Uh, I really the thing I re- I'm really disappointed in. I'm uh, disappointed in like no one asked the question that I was the, the you and I are the most interested in, which is like, why is this the tone? Right. Uh, he brings up Christopher Guest in a couple of interviews. So uh, best in show waiting for Guffman. Which would have been uh, that would have improved the movie if this movie had been a mockumentary style movie. That would have it even made is, it a lot better. At the very end, they even have that joke of like, oh, yeah. he's making a documentary the whole time. It, and like, it should have been a documentary the whole time. Because <laughs> if they would have grounded everything. Because like, yeah, those Christopher Guest characters, are they're, they're pretty broad. They're not like subtle characters, but they all feel very three-dimensional. Right. Right. Man. That would have been the better version of this. I don't think it would have been one that I would have, I, I would have liked. Because sure. I just, I, I just, I'm so over like COVID uh, set stories, like narratives, yeah. um, using COVID as a narrative device. I'm just, I'm over it. I, I think collectively we're all over it. But um, it's, I think it would have made it a little more watchable, I guess. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know. I, so, so, okay. So let's, let's, Please. let's break down this movie by. I mean, I feel like it makes the most sense to go by character because I don't know how there's no plot. So, sure. yeah, I can't really do a walkthrough of this. No. Yeah. Um. So let's start with Karen Gillan. We kind of talked okay. about it earlier. So she wasn't in Cliff Beast 5 so she could be in the Oscar Beatty movie. It right. bombed. Um. And she everyone her, hated it. 7% on Rotten Tomatoes. So a, a slightly better than The Bubble, which has like a 24, I think. I checked earlier. Yeah. Well, the, you um, mean the bubble is slightly better. Um, yes. Yeah. Yeah. For sure. <laughs> and I guess her thing is like she tries to rebel. She's the one who's like, I have to get out of here. So she's trying right. to like sabotage the movie kind of at some point. Yeah. But then it's also like Peter Serafinowicz is the producer, the onset producer. And then there's an executive producer played by Kate McKinnon, who he he zooms with mm-hmm. on a big screen projector thing in his room yeah uh often and she's in a new location each time um and then she uh, talks to like a studio head who's john played lithgow by Jim, john lithgow and the idea is just like no matter what we have to make this movie it doesn't matter how much it costs or how long it takes we have to make it and he keeps telling her like this is going to be difficult and so then she sends like a security team to make sure no one leaves she basically keeps the actor's captive. Mm-hmm. And as a result, Karen Gillan is like, when she sees one of the security people blow Leslie hands, L- Leslie, Leslie hands. hand off. Yeah. Um, about to get that's Leslie when hands. she's like, okay, no, this is, this is, uh, this is untenable. Like we, we have to go, they're abusing us. And then there's like, there's like uh, a whole storyline where she tries to like record a TikTok about it. But it, it's just gonna make them look like she's gonna make her look vapid and like a like an like no one wants to see a celebrity complain about on set treatment because yeah. they're on set of a movie because they're a movie star and like no it's not gonna look good you know um, yeah yeah and although we do find out that later that she's uh, she is actually a spy and working for them so it makes Studio, sense that she, yeah yeah that she talked them out of posting the TikTok um, but. Yeah, so her whole thing is like about 
the treatment of actors on set, which comes out of nowhere, like halfway through the movie, her mm-hmm. her storyline is suddenly about that, about how they're being mistreated. Yeah. And then, like, talks everyone into an escape, and then they all escape, and that's... That's kind of... The, kind of the spine that, of the movie, I guess. Yeah. That, yeah, that's it. Um, Which, like, I, I never really... Because, like, I always took the... Her sort of, like, standing up and being like, we can't be treated that way was more like, well, really, she just wants to get out of here because, like, her her life is imploding. Right. Uh, her, her 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 role keeps getting whittled down and her, her, her stuff keeps getting handed to Iris Apatow's character because she's younger. So right. we get sort of this like, oh, my God, like, I know I'm not old. I'm not I'm, I'm the second youngest member of the of the cast. I'm not Gen X. That, oh, oh, you're going back to Iris Apatow's the only one who knows that she's in a Jet Apatow movie. The yeah. her throwaway line of like, I saw a picture of you at a, at a Nirvana concert. <laughs> that was good. Yes. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> there it is. There it is. <laughs> um. But yeah, she has to like Karen Gillan has to like pee on herself. Um, yeah, a lot of yeah, a lot of a lot of a lot of sad, a lot a lot of sad. Yeah, yeah. Um, Fred Armisen is in this as the director, and Fred Armisen is someone who I really really like. I think he's funny in basically everything. Mm-hmm. He is negative funny in this movie. Um, yeah. I don't know what the fuck happened. I don't know if he's just not jiving with Apatow or like what the fuck is going on, but he is anti-funny in this movie. Yeah. I love Fred Armisen when he has like a really strong character, but he can very, I've seen him be bad in stuff and it's usually when he doesn't, he just kind of has to be like the nebbishy beta character. He's just completely rudderless in this. Um, Woof. And he's basically Steve Coogan's character in Tropic Thunder. But yeah, without with Steve Coogan, he really was like, oh, he he seems like a pompous buffoon, pretentious yeah. buffoon. But I didn't remember that one scene where he was randomly hitting on Karen Gillan in the pool. Yes, yeah, gross and uh, bad. So is he a creep? He was never a creep. I don't again. know. He was, he was only a creep for that one scene. I don't know. Everyone was hitting on Karen Gillan in this movie. Um, oh yeah. Yeah, it was like an ongoing thing with her. I don't know. I don't know what that was about. Um, um, I uh, uh, no. The 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 problem with the the director character too is just like there's there's not like the joke is that like so the the joke that he's trying to make mm-hmm. is like oh these guys make a Sundance movie and then their next movie is this gigantic blockbuster. He's talking about Marvel movies, sure, mostly. Um, but he's making a joke about that, how they're fully unprepared to actually like shoot a blockbuster, um, which isn't true because they all do a a fairly good job, you know, like across the board. Like there isn't one that's like, woof, um, that was, that one was really like, that's, that's barely a movie. Like that's not a thing because they have all this support and shit right people being like, here's how, because that's how a movie is actually made. Um, as opposed to (laughs) this, uh, uh, but so so that's the joke he's trying to make, but that's it. That's the that's the that that is the joke that he's trying to make, the thing that he's trying to satirize. He could have done in a joke where Peter Serafinowitz was like, 
oh yeah, like the studio wanted us to get this Sundance guy who'd never made a movie, but why would anybody do that? And like, that's <laughs> it. That's all you need. Done. That you makes know? no fucking then, sense. Yeah. Yeah, that doesn't make any fucking sense. And then you move on, and then you actually bring in a real character to play this director. I think the fucking dopest move would have mm-hmm. been to make John Cena the director. Oh, that's good. Yeah. Yeah. If he comes in, I was going to say it'd be really funny if they got John Favreau to play himself. Oh, John Favreau, that would be fun too. But like, but like, I, I just think, yeah. I, I think like having like somebody like John Cena, like an unexpected choice as the yeah. director. And then you could like play around with like some stuff that you hear about like Zack Snyder where he makes everybody do push ups. That's you know? great. Yeah, he could be like a alpha bro, like Zack Snyder, Chad Stiletsky yeah. kind of dude. <laughs> right. Yeah. I. That's so fun. And then yeah. they were all over it because they're like in the bubble uh. and they're like in COVID and they're just like, we just can we just stop doing pushups and shoot the scene? Jesus Christ. You know, you know what causes COVID? Lack of cardio. Yeah, right. <laughs> there's, there's so many more there's fun stuff. things you could do with that. Um, instead, yeah. you have Fred Armisen, who's just like, yeah. The, the nerdy the, his, the the joke of him as a director is over in five seconds and then you're just stuck with him the rest of the movie are you uh are you watching barry this season have you started barry i haven't yet i'm i'm storing episodes because I, oh, I for sure I, oh yeah i binge right. it yeah um they an, another really sharp showbiz satire that yes like there's a i don't want to spoil it but there's a joke they basically do this joke where they get a real indie darling director to play themselves and play and they're directing like the most hackiest hollow piece of shit ever (laughs) and it's like one it's like one scene but it's just like yep i'm i'm doing this now (laughs) and it's like it's funny but it's sad and you're like oh okay yeah but like it just yeah the it there's just like a a knowledge of like a a, a fluency that honesty that registered in that episode of Barry compared to this. Right. Yeah. Cause like what the joke evolves into with Fred Armisen is that like he made his Sundance darling movie on his iPhone and mm-hmm. everyone is like, if you don't finish this movie, you're going to go to director jail. And he was like, what am I supposed to do? Like go back to working at Lowe's and make another movie with my iPhone. Yeah. And like, and so like he's desperate to like keep the movie going because he's terrified of going to director jail, but that's like not a joke. And it's like barely a motivation that anyone would give a shit about watching this. Yeah. Oh yeah. The, uh, us, the audience. Like, oh no, yeah. not director jail. Right. Yeah. Cause like how most people don't even know what the fuck that is. Yeah. No. Yeah. Like there's a lot of moments like that. Um, there's like a Sherman Oaks joke at the very end. That's yeah. like for nine people. <laughs> I was one of them, though. Yeah. <laughs> Even better. <laughs> um. So I'm gonna I'm gonna count these as I'm gonna do these uh, together because I think they're kind okay. of. But you have David Duchovny and Leslie Mann, who yeah. are like veterans, kind of I guess like the Laura Dern, Sam Neill. Yeah, she's Cliff got like Beast. a thick, a thick like country so, accent. Her character. Yeah, her character like, does. That ain't no baby or whatever. Yeah. Oh, God. That's the thing, too, is like it wasn't enough that the movie is cheesy. They're not even playing it earnestly. Yeah. It was like, yeah, like entourage level, like 
worse than that i'd say no i yeah i was as i was saying it yeah like yeah never once felt like a real movie and i think it would have been funnier if it did feel like this could be a real movie james cameron's aquaman feels like a real movie (laughs) yeah yeah where he's like in the green screen and and he's like in the the, yeah little monitor booth or whatever yeah 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 Um, um nothing about this feels like a real movie because and and this is i think this is an important thing I don't think Judd Apatow's ever worked with special effects before. No. No. So he has he, no uh, idea how any of them work. He's just like, yeah, I guess this is how it works. You have like little guys in like green dinosaur suits to be eyelines. Right? Uh, those two those two those, those two were pretty reliable for me. Yeah, they were they, they were okay. They were they were good. Like I, I wouldn't I wouldn't not want them in the movie because the movie would be worse off without them. But mm-hmm. It's very, it doesn't make any they, like there's no reason for them to be there. Like that's not how that works. And like you don't like and to Apatow, like why aren't you doing what has worked in the past, which is like talk to people who made this and yeah. like figure like, find real stories about like ask Chris Pratt like what's a weird awkward thing that you have to do when making these Jurassic movies that like most people don't get to like, oh my god you know I have to do this so this is kind of like it looks cool when the movie comes out but it's actually pretty embarrassing. Like, yeah, there's there's stuff to be mined there, but he he goes for the easiest possible joke, like almost every time. Right. Just the hackiest thing you so can think of. The Coveney and Mann's characters, they, they've been like hooking up throughout their time making the movies together, but they always like, break up and get back together. They adopt a 16 year old. That was the stupidest fucking joke in the entire movie. Yeah. And he hates both of them. So he's like, I hate both. I hate movies. I hate both. of you. And it was like, just ugly and not witty no dumb so fucking dumb god i hated that i hated that so much (laughs) and the the company's like i'll adopt half of south america everybody everybody get in here you know because rich people the only the only part of of the adopting a 16 year old that i i thought was funny was the throwaway line that david Duchovny has when he quits and he's just like, I, what am I doing here? Like, I, I, I shouldn't be here. I, 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 I'm here and I can't be with my wife. And she just had her hand blown off. I should be at home with her and my and my son that I've had for two years. And like, just, yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Oh, man. Uh, after she got her hand blown off and they cut back to. Like them, her them, them being told that she's not going to be in the movie anymore. Duchovny has line reads like, yeah, "I talked to her too. She was not cool about it." <laughs> yeah, and I was like, "Okay, yeah, yeah." Like little little moments. Um, yeah, but even so, even Leslie Mann, like her character's not funny in this. No, um, which I was bummer. really bummed out about. There, there's that. It's and I think it's just because like. She feeds off of like I think she's really good at holding her own opposite a comedian, for sure. Yeah, but none of them are comedians except for Keegan Michael Key, who we haven't even talked about yet. Right? (laughs) Yeah. But but like I don't think she shares any scenes directly with him, which I think is a fucking massive mistake because I think that scene probably would have fucking like sung. Yeah. You know. Yeah. Like the magic of Leslie Mann is like I think about her and Paul Rudd, where Paul Rudd is like farting or just being like a little a little goblin, but she just refuses to leave reality and immediately just grounds it with her eyes and is like, Why did you fart? Yes. <laughs> right. 
why are you acting like this? And that just somehow makes <laughs> it like so much funnier. Yeah. But, Instead, you get the bit where she like Karen Gillan like walks in to the to the hotel and she was like, "Ugh, you, I hate you. I'm mad and, at you. Yeah. And she was and like, I kept, oh, yeah. Sorry about that. And she's like, yeah, it's a real jerk move. Yeah. Sorry. I kept waiting okay. for the, I kept waiting for the turn, right? Of like yeah. I'm just kidding, like fake, you know that thing people do where it's like I'm I'm hiding real anger by being fake angry. Yeah. And it wasn't even that. It was like, "Oh, no, that was actually like her character emoting and showing Oh, boy, we're in for a rough ride because that's like 5 minutes into the movie. Yeah, that was brutal. That was brutal and yeah, 5 minutes into the movie. Yikes. Like, um it was weird because usually the one thing he's really good at is like hooking Leslie up and giving her really fun stuff to do. But yeah, I did. I did. Fuck. I will say there. I didn't laugh really at any of the COVID jokes, but I did laugh at the joke where uh, uh, the beard guy who I've never seen before in my life. Right. Um, yeah. Yeah. yeah he, he's, he goes. He, yeah. Uh, she. She's uh, uh, Karen Gillan's like in the tent and he walks in the tent and like go. He like he like touches her, goes to hug her and they just fucking tackle him to the ground. <laughs> tackle to drag him off screen. Yeah, drag him away. Yeah, Yeah, that was good. I I hadn't seen him before. His name is... um, Damn. Can't find him. But yeah, I I hadn't ever... I hadn't seen him. Oh, uh, Guz Khan. He is in... Did you you see Army of Thieves? No. The the Army of the Dead spinoff? I guess he's in that. No, I didn't. I didn't. Um, he's the first to go. He, he he gets the hell out of there, but then he's back with a bow and arrow, and he shoots the the COVID inspector guy with a hand. Oh right, yeah, right. That was weird. I don't know, man. Um, so Keegan Michael Key, yeah, is playing um one of those kind of like a Jared Leto type, where he has started like a cult basically or like a wellness thing. Oh, and, right. Yeah. And, yeah. And people keep mistaking it for a religion. No, no, I didn't write a Bible. It's just a book with like, you know, Psalms and like wisdom and quotes and stuff. Um, <laughs> But there, remember the weird joke that they give up halfway? They don't, there's like two instances where he's kind of jealous of Iris Apatow's youth and influence. Right. And her TikTok followers. Yeah. Her TikTok followers. But like, yeah. they never, never go anywhere with that. No, not at all. Not at all. Um, Keegan-Michael Key. Yeah. I, I sometimes think about him. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I and I just think about, like, how he feels about Jordan Peele and the they've, success of Jordan Peele. <laughs> because they've kind of had, like, opposite, literally polar opposite careers. Ke- Keegan-Michael Key's been in some real shit. Um, yeah. Like... Jordan Peele's this guy who's like, I won't do anything unless I unless it's gonna advance the fucking culture. I yeah, I, you oh, I owe it to the audience and myself not to step on a set unless I am like asking fundamental questions about why we tell stories and yeah, why we're afraid, what makes fear itself exist. And Keegan Michael Key is like, you throw fifty bucks at me, I will sell any Big Mac or credit card. Yeah, <laughs> and. You you guys see that movie where me and Jake Johnson were pretending to be cops? <laughs> that was that was uh that was not Keegan Michael Key, that was uh Damon Wayne's Jr. Um, oh see I thought okay. I thought it wouldn't be him because he was a new girl 
and that felt weird to me. No, but that's why the movie exists. Oh, it's oh, okay. well, fair enough. Well, no, anyway, but you're, King, but you're, King of but Michael, right. he, like that's the type of movie that he does, though. Right? Yeah, like he'll be in that weird. Remember that musical we watched on Christmas with Forrest Whitaker? Yeah, yeah. Or he'll be like one of the hyenas in Lion King. Like he'll just he'll right. just do anything. He'll he'll do whatever. Um, yeah, yeah. I don't know. If, I don't know if he ever. I don't. I don't think he made me laugh at all in this because, like, no. He wasn't like a real dude. He was just like a he vain. He didn't actively bring it down. No, no. But like, yeah, he didn't. He didn't do anything bad, but he didn't do anything good either. He was just kind of there. <laughs> no, he's kind of like, um, yeah, he's like, he's like, it's like Martin Short, where like he's never going to be bad, but yeah, sometimes it's not enough that Martin Short was in this. Yeah, that's true. Um, yeah, he was another. He felt a little rudderless the way that the way that Fred Armisen did. So Pedro Pascal's character, mm-hmm. you kind of get the sense that he's supposed to be this, uh, like Joaquin Phoenix, like super intense, pretentious kind of actor. Mm-hmm. What'd you, what'd you think of him? Um, I, so I love Pedro Pascal. Who does? I love seeing him in this kind of role. I think it's mm-hmm. fun. I love seeing him in like a wacky comedy. I think he's really funny. As like he does comedy really really well, um, you know you look at uh, uh, unbearable weight of massive talent. I mean he's fucking right. phenomenal in that movie. <laughs> yeah, um, sure. he's so goddamn funny. I think the problem with this is just he's miscast. Um, yeah, I, I, it just doesn't. Nothing about it feels natural to Pedro Pascal. Like I get that like everyone's Pedro Pascal's daddy or whatever the fuck, but mm-hmm. like. I don't know that he's at I I don't think I don't know. I just don't buy him as this like kind of guy that like this this uh that that Cosmo the space dog would be like <laughs> so fucking into him that she's like I'm going to manipulate him into falling in love with me. Right. Yeah, cuz like they don't settle on who he is cuz like you get he's wear he's always wearing his big puffy cardigan and he's always look he's always looks really strung out. Yeah. And- you're like, oh, okay. Are you supposed to be like, yeah, like like Walking Phoenix or Casey Affleck? But then you have the Maria Bakalova thing, where it's like, oh wait, no, are you Daddy? Are you supposed to be like the hottest actor in Hollywood right now? Because that's a good per- that's a good part for Pedro Pascal because you get that meta casting angle. But sure, it's but he messy. wasn't at the time, which is that's interesting. Right. This is pre Joel. This this is well, this is pre. Uh, I mean, he probably filmed this pre Mandalorian or right after Mandalorian. Like it probably wasn't sure. even like. You know, he wasn't, he wasn't, it wasn't like a whole thing yet. You know what I mean? Right. Um, yeah. uh, but, but, uh, yeah, I, I got the sense, I don't know why, but I got the sense that he was supposed to be sort of like a Leonardo DiCaprio type. Like, okay. Yeah. Like, like was this. like young and hot and like every, like a teen heartthrob kind of thing. And now he's like a serious actor, but she's like still like, in like, oh. that's, like, I, that's- like I could, I could like modern Leonardo DiCaprio, especially with all the jokes about like, oh no, she turned 26 or is it 23? I don't even remember what the age is yet. I think it's 25, but go on. 25? Okay. Um, Whatever the the age limit is for him. Um, (laughs) Ash, this one's for you. Uh, But the, the, uh, uh, yeah, that, that concept, right? Because then that would make sense for him to be like, Oh, I never, I never like you know, date anybody for like extended periods of time or whatever, and then yeah, 
to like for his arc to be to like fall for I, her. I love you. Yeah, you, you saved yeah, my life. That, yeah, that's something. I don't know. Like maybe maybe a Leonardo DiCaprio type. But like, I, I don't the, think any of it is strong enough to like. Yeah, yeah. he's not really playing an archetype. It's no. This, yeah, yeah cause, like what you're describing. If the joke had been like Maria Bakalova was like, "Oh my god!" Like I, I grew up, I watched Titanic eighty times. I and she still kind of sees that version of DiCaprio, even though now he's like man bun vaping, like late forties Leonardo DiCaprio. Right, like, that's something. Right, um, or the joke that like because like very early on in the movie he's like just horny because he's in bit in quarantine, and yeah. so. He comes up to Maria Bakalova at the front desk and he's like, do you want to have sex? Do you want to have, have sex with me right now? And she's like, yes, I do. But first we have to get married. And then you first you have to ask my dad's permission to get married. And then you have to sign this thing. And then we can have sex. And he's like, out, no, out, done. And yeah. so the joke is like, he could have sex with her as soon as he wants to, but he has to commit and he won't because he's scared yeah. of it. Right. And that's something, but they don't ever really like... I never got what the rules were of that of that dynamic. No, and then they mix it up by also making him a drug addict. Right. Yeah, cuz like like a co- like a cocaine a co- cokehead. So then it's like what are you what what is this character? Like what are we trying to say with this guy? Like what's what's the purpose of this? Yeah. Cuz I think if they had actually gotten like DiCaprio or Toby Maguire or Joaquin Phoenix, someone to kind of like make fun of their image, that could have been really funny. That could have been really funny. Tommy McGuire would have been really fucking funny in this yeah. role. That's just like this strung out, drug addicted, like yeah. mess. And especially if he constantly like played the boy next door thing to oh, try hey. and get laid, yeah. but then like would would just be like would snap back into like cokehead, like crazy, yeah, whatever. Like like that, yeah, yeah. There's there, that that could have been really fucking funny. Um, yeah, man. Kind of the same thing with Karen Gillan, where like she is sort of playing a version of the type of career she has, which is this like actress that has gotten caught up in the blockbuster machine and has probably spent hundreds of hours on wires and on green screen. But yeah, she's just playing a generic like mid thirties actress worried about getting older. Yeah, she only plays uh, like Karen Gillan only plays like quote unquote real people. When she's directing herself. <laughs> right. Because she's like, hey, I can do this too, by the way. I can like yeah. eat string cheese from the can or like, you know, whatever. Yeah. Yeah. But um, no. Yeah. She's directed herself a bunch of times and in like short films. And I think she's done a couple features at this point. And they're movies that no one has ever heard of <laughs> and, yeah. and barely anyone has ever seen. Uh, and then, yeah, that's what she does in her like free time between fucking seven different blockbuster franchises she's a part of. Yeah, and 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 like yeah, and like of all the act of all the directors to look at what all the stuff we've been talking about, you would think Judd Apatow would feel like, oh, she's this person, or oh, Pedro Pascal, I know how to do this in a fun kind of meta way. Yeah, there's this the the problem is that um, there's this there's this really really. Uh, great quote. And I think this kind of like really sums up the whole problem with this movie. Sure. Um, there's this really great, great quote in a show, a movie. I don't remember what the show is. It, mm. I, it's either that it was either that um, Mr. Corman show 
Um, oh yeah, with, with Joseph Gordon-Levitt as like a with teacher. Joseph Gordon-Levitt, or or it was something. It was something set in L.A. I think it might okay. have been that. But um, somebody finds out that that this person lives in L.A. and is like, oh, and like and like they don't, and they're like, mm. oh God, I I I hate L.A. Like, um, you know, like it, you know, I, I I hate the traffic and I hate all these things. And he responds, "You can't hate it unless you love it." Oh, that's uh, last black man in San Francisco. That's Last Black Man in San Francisco. Okay, okay, okay. Um, yeah, you can't hate it unless you love it, right? So, so it's San Francisco. But yeah, that is that's the quote. Yeah, that is the entire problem with this movie is that he is making a movie where he's talking about how much he fucking hates blockbusters, but the but it's all ringing false because you can't hate it unless you love it. You can't yeah. make a satire about making blockbusters if you've never made one and you fucking hate watching them. Yeah, or even yeah, if they just seem like just uninteresting to you, it, like yeah, like right. like you said, if like, if you could watch Jurassic World: Fallen Kingdom or Avengers: Endgame or whatever, and like they're the same, there's no, it's the same picture to me. Yeah, like I mean, <laughs> yeah, your your taste is your taste, but like, yeah, maybe this isn't the movie you should be making. Right, right, yeah, because it all just looks like Cliff Beasts. Can't um, hate it unless you love it. Can't hate it unless you love it. That's why I, I literally think you gave the same exact concept, same concept of a movie, exactly the same, to Seth Rogen and Evan Goldberg. They make a fucking 90% on Rotten Tomatoes movie. Oh, um, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Because they fucking love blockbusters, and they know what's great about them, and they also know what's fucking weird about them, but in a way that they fucking love, they, they like still love it. You know? Right, you know, like they walk out of a bad blockbuster or a bad Marvel movie, and they're like, "Oh, like that was so dumb. Like, why wasn't it this? It could have done this." You know, right? These can be good. These can be fun. Like, you look at this is the end, and that's a movie made by people who love gore and horror, and right, right. and like, no, we want the action and the stuff to look really cool because like we love those movies, right. And say what you will. I mean, I know that Seth Rogen has has definitely had a few quotes in the press about how he doesn't like Marvel movies. Sure. Um, but they're all about how he is. Just, <laughs> he doesn't like that. They're all the same. That's, sure. Yeah. That's which is a fair criticism, honestly. Right. I mean, look at the um, boys. Right. Like, right. Right. You can't. Um, hate, I mean, like he has to he had to have held that Garth Ennis book in his hand at some point and be like, oh, this is sick. I love how this is making fun yeah. of what's bullshit about superheroes, but also right. like Homelander is a cool character. Like black sure. noir is like a cool superhero character, you know? Sure. But yeah, no, yeah. You can't hate it unless you love it. Yeah. And that's the problem with the bubble. Uh, utterly bizarre Daisy Ridley cameo. Oh, that's right. Yeah. No, I fucking hated that. that was, I hated that. That was, that was embarrassing. That was, She's barely done anything since Star Wars outside of Star Wars. And this is one of the things that she chose to do. And that that makes me feel sad for her and uh, angry at her agent and or manager. Yeah, because like it, it, it's almost felt like a betrayal because like, you know, you go back to a, a lot of the Appetite movies have had really fun cameos. You look at like Ryan Seacrest and Knocked Up. Yeah. And there is a certain amount of trust yeah. Or like uh, 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 James Taylor being in Funny People and being like, fuck Facebook. And yeah. There's like, I'm trusting you to not make me look stupid. 
And it just felt like a complete betrayal of that trust. Yeah. Yeah. This felt like that one movie. Um, what is the, the the movie with the number? The the one that's like. Oh, movie 43. Movie 43. That's what this feels like. Yeah. 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 Where it's like, I, I wrote down one of the last notes. I, I, I hope none of them had to watch this. Oh, God. Like, <laughs> yes. I because like thankfully there wasn't like a premiere because this just went straight to Netflix, but like it it bummed me out the idea of like Pedro Pascal or like Daisy Ridley or like the Apatows sitting down and like watching this. Ugh. Um, yeah, I yeah. I find that, but you know it is it is an interesting thing because you're right. There probably was no premiere, right? Um. I well, was there? I'm going to look it up right now. Yeah. I'm going to find out because I, I I find it odd <laughs> that they wouldn't have a premiere, but then they shoot a scene that takes place at a premiere. <laughs> That's right, like um, a fake premiere. Yeah, let's see the bubble. for the documentary showing how premiere they're all assholes. Question mark. Um. Oh, did it? Oh, did it play in theaters for a week? Wow, we didn't break the rules. We didn't break the franchiseography rules. No, because it says initial release March 25th. So, oh, is that the premiere? I think that's the premiere. Okay. Yeah. Um, that's I- yeah. So they did have they did have a a premiere, and it was March 25th, 2022. Um, and, then it, and then it premiered on Netflix on April 1st, April Fool's Day, with absolutely like zero, like advertisement. Like I think they started advertising it like two weeks before. Uh, oh yeah, because you mentioned they they did like viral marketing for Cliff Beasts first, right? And it was like, what is this? Like, it's the bubble. You're welcome. We like like Ted Lasso, right? <laughs> like Ted Lasso. <laughs> oh Jesus Christ! I you know I knew. I mean, I have no one to blame but myself. Like, I we knew from the start. Like, from the moment I brought up, "Hey, let's do Judd Apatow," you were like, "Well, you know, we're gonna have to, we're gonna have to do the bubble." And I was like, "I know." Yeah. Yeah. And but we yeah. but we did it. Yeah. Um. Oh yeah, Beck was in this. Oh, that's right. Oh yeah, I will say um, that I I you know so so things that will always uh, make me cry are people being reunited with loved ones always 100 okay. percent of the time no matter how bad the movie is i mm. will always make me cry something that'll make me laugh no matter how bad the movie is is someone dancing with a with a face that is like very serious oh, okay. um yeah. <laughs> so karen gillen's dancing to beck where she was just like like just like like just had like mean <laughs> yeah. face but was like dancing that, yeah. that shit kills me. I don't know why. That was, no, that was great. <laughs> yeah. Like, I definitely, there there were moments, again, it's like a two hour plus movie, but there there were moments where I was like smiling or chuckling um, or just finding stuff to, to like about it. Um, yeah. Like the part that, like, even in something like, you know, the part where they're all just vomiting on each other while rock climbing, like that wasn't funny, but there were parts in that sequence that I was like, okay, but that little bit was funny. Yeah. Yeah, sure. <laughs> uh, oh, the part where the two pterodactyl cliff beasts guys were distracting the COVID guy for, for like three seconds. And they're like, oh, you know, oh, oh, no, sorry, sorry, sorry. 
<laughs> Three seconds, yeah. Um, yeah. That I mean the pro. The, I mean it's just it's it's barely a movie. Like you can barely consider this a movie. It's yeah. really just like a collection of scenes. Like even know. by Apatow standards. Yeah, even by Apatow standards. But I agree with you, Scott. I, I really hope this is just like a weird one-off in his filmography and his next movie is like a return to form in the way the King of Staten Island felt like a return to form. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, that felt like a new guy, like King right. of Staten Island felt like a brand new, I was like, Oh wow. Is this, is this who you are now? Cause I'm into this. And, uh, I, 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 I feel like he's, he's backtracking. <laughs> Yeah, and I really hope he's not doing that thing that like sometimes can happen to like kind of rich, successful directors or comedians, really, where like they start they stop feeling like they're connected to people. Like, yeah, this is around the same time, unfortunately, that he had that really tone deaf. He made that tweet after the the Chris Rock slap. Yeah, he was like, he could have died. He's an animal. He, he's, he's, you could have been killed by. And I'm like, I get it. That's your friend. Chris Rock's your buddy. You don't want to see your buddy get slapped in the face by by oh, a guy who played boy. Muhammad Ali. But it that and the bubble. As as a guy who's been a fan of this of Apatow since I was in middle school, yeah, it, it bummed me out. Of like, oh no, are you are you losing touch with that thing that made you feel like a vital voice? Right. Right. Well. We'll have uh, a lot more of that to talk about next week on our between episode as right. we wrap this up and look forward to the future of, of Apatow movies, of which we will cover every single one as they come out. Fuck, that's right. Oh, God. <laughs> so we're, we're locked in no matter what. We're you can locked make the... in. You locked us in. <laughs> I locked us in. I did this. We're in, we're in the Apatow bubble. <laughs> like... He could literally make the bubble too, and we would have to cover it. Yeah, we would. Yeah. Um. Wow. Um, <laughs> your your voice broke a little bit there. <laughs> didn't ever thought about it like that. Um, oh man. Also, very excited to announce. I think our our listeners are really gonna get excited when we announce the season that we're doing next. Yes. Yeah. So we're doing the between episode where we'll we'll announce what our next mini series is and that. Um, but before we get into that miniseries, we have to uh, d- uh, do Asteroid City. Um, hey, yeah, so we'll have yeah, so we'll have a uh, uh, bonus yeah. feature, right? That'll be um, good. That'll be that'll be interesting. Um, I, I'm I'm very curious about that one. I can't. I'm excited to see it for sure. I'm um, so excited for Summer Wes Anderson again. Yes. Hmm. Hmm. Um, so yeah, so both, bo- so yeah, so it's uh between us. So next week, wrapping this up, announcing our next mini series, then it's the asteroid city episode and then the start of our next mini series. Um, so yeah, yeah. good Very shit. Excited. Good Promise. shit. Some, <laughs> some good shit's going to come from this. Yes, indeed. Um, all right, everybody. Thanks for listening. If you watch the bubble, I'm sorry. And uh, <laughs> we'll be back next week with a between episode. Laters. Bye.